0: Welcome to the Intellectual Freedom Podcast. Here we analyze politics, culture, technology, and society at large through the lens of critical thinking and open-mindedness, not demagoguery, and partisan hyperbole. I am Dr. David Hopkins, humanities professor, your host and guide. So without further delay, let's get started. Ah, it is that time of year again that hope springs eternal. We have graduations, receptions, scholarships, high school rankings, college rankings, and all that goes along with it. But also in our modern world, we have anxiety, stress, and financial worry over college. Today I want to talk about education and our education system in general. This podcast is specifically geared towards parents, even even towards high school students getting close to graduation, but especially high school graduates who are gonna head off to the next phase of life, or possibly even those citizens that no longer involved whatsoever in the education system but are wondering what in the world is going on and what am I paying for in my taxes that these schools are so screwed up. So first, I'll talk about the problem. Then I'm gonna give very specific things that high school graduates and soon to be graduates in the next couple of years of what they can do to maximize their experience as they move to that next phase in life. So why is the American system so broke? It's really an important question and, and we need to answer it because we have to interact with it. You know, it was once said, and I forget who said it, but the quote goes like this, stagnation is death, If you don't change, you die. It is that scary. I think this little quote, this advice needs to be heard by leaders in our education system and politicians who actually really care about education in this country versus just giving it lip service during an election season. I was talking recently to a friend of mine in Colombia about some of the atrocities that are going on there and the attacks that are happening against democracy and free speech and he mentioned their education system is falling apart so i don't i don't think the situation is unique just to the united states i think western democracies everywhere are, are experiencing massive shifts right now but for this podcast i want to talk about the system i know here in america i've worked in education for 20 plus years from public colleges and universities, to for-profit colleges, to academic publishing companies. I've worked in administrative roles and teaching faculty. I know this space intimately. And it pains me to say that our education system is in crisis. And we really can't ignore this any longer. The stakes are just too high with the absurd cost of higher education and students getting ready to go in and parents they know very clearly how challenging that is. And and too many students sometimes are just graduating lacking skills or able to even find gainful employment. And I'm saddened and I'm sickened by much of it as I'm in this system, but we can't overcome the problems if we don't understand it. So let's begin with a little history lesson. I need you to humor me just for a moment. I'm a humanities instructor. This is it's a natural instinct, but understanding the past tells us where we're at today and will shape where we're going in the future. So I think I think we need to go all the way back to the 19th century because this is where our modern view of education was constructed. And whether you're in K-12 right now or heading to university, this model has existed a very long time, and there's one key figure that really stands out. His name is Horace Mann, and he was a politician turned education advocate, uh, ultimately became education secretary, and he lived in the 1800s. It's interesting, as he started to delve into education, he self-funded a trip over to Europe in 1843 to visit schools to see how Europe was handling their education, and especially he went to Prussia. Uh, Eventually, he published a book, published papers, that talk about the characteristics of what education in America should be about. And that model is basically intact today. Of course, amendments, additions, some deletions, as humans and human governmental agencies are apt to make changes, but... The reality is the basic model then still pretty much looks the same way 170 years later. So this alone should tell us that our model of education is based on something over a century ago. Let's just get perspective here of when this education secretary put the model together uh, about what it meant to be educated. Slavery was still legal electricity was just beginning to enter life. The Mexican-American War was going on, and we only actually had about 30 states at this time. The historical backdrop is the Industrial Revolution. The Industrial Age is just starting to ferment and come of age. I mean, it was a hardcore world back then. Life expectancy was roughly around 40 years of age. But at the same time, through all those hard things there was the enlightenment that had ended. This was a philosophical movement that talked about freedom, liberty, pursuit of happiness, governance by the many. So Horace Mann sits in the middle of this, this stuff and he's formulating what our education system actually looks like today. And a noted historian once said this and it speaks volumes about the system as a whole. Uh, the the historian, his name was Elwood Coverley, and he said, quote, no one did more than he, speaking of Horace Mann, to establish in the minds of the American people the conception that education should be universal, nonsectarian, free, and that its aim should be social efficiency, civic virtue, and character rather than mere learning or the advancement of sectarian ends. So on the surface, this is very profound and wonderful, considering prior to this, through feudal Europe, almost nobody got a universal education. So sure, uh, there's some huge positives here, but we got to dig a little bit deeper, because to summarize things, Horace Mann sought to create an education system that fit nicely into this modern industrial capitalist system that would create citizens who knew how to work in factories. He envisioned this universal education system that would instill regimentation so people can be made into functioning human machines inside of large factories. In fact, the old bell system of the factories mirrors, uh, of the schools mirrors the assembly line bells um, inside of these factories called called schools. We have students and they're filled with one type of information here in one class and then a bell rings and then they walk down a hallway and they get another set of information and so on and so on and that goes on for 12 years. The funny thing is students really don't have much of a choice in the matter here. They're pretty much programmed to do exactly what they are told to do from day one. Inside the walls of that school, it's the job of the teachers to educate all the minds, all the young minds, about what the state says is important and obligates them to hold them in place. If you think about it, that is a prison. Obviously a day prison or a minimum security prison, but a prison nonetheless And if the student would just decide to leave school, they could literally be picked up and brought back to school. So this compulsory education system mirroring a factory but acts and functions more like a prison where students must stay there or be criminals and inside the walls of education, the the job of those teachers many times is more like a prison warden uh, to to at best to educate them or at a minimum control them. The curriculum, it's canned, it's packaged, it's one size fits all, where students learn, teachers teach, the entire model sure seems a whole lot like a prison. Students ironically will often joke after finishing high school that they have been released from prison. And so we shouldn't be shocked at the metaphor because in many ways our public education system as we know it today, was literally designed to operate very similar to a factory. The product in the school is not a car. The product in the school is a good quality, indoctrinated, informed student just the way the state says it wants its people educated. Just so anyone doesn't get the impression, I'm just spouting off opinion here. I want to give you a direct reference so that you can look up yourself Horace Mann's writing and vision for education. It was in 1838, and I'm sure you can find this out there anywhere on a Google search. He wrote and founded it a journal called the Common School Journal. And in this journal, Mann targeted the public school and its problems, and he had six main principles. And I'm going to read them for you quick. The public, number one, the public should no longer remain ignorant. I mean, obviously, that seems good and ethical. We're always better off if we're educated and not ignorant. Number two, that such school education should be paid for, controlled, and sustained by an interested public. This, in theory, is an awesome thing, too. And it's not an outlandish idea that those with financial means should help sustain a system to allow those that have less means to have access to education. I mean, nuances obviously exist here, but most would not question this as being bad. Number three, that this education will be best provided in the schools. This is empowering the schools to educate children from K through 12. Now here you start stepping in a little bit on the personal freedoms. And here's where we start to see some parents have some problems with what is the best education. Number four, this this education must be non-sectarian or non-religious. And it's just another, another little stab at personal freedoms. And number five, that this education must be taught using the tenets of a free society. Hmm, so here we have, we're getting a little more nuanced and we have to pay attention. Is there, number one, a universal tenet that all Americans can agree upon? It's now 2021. There's 350 million plus Americans. Does an all-powerful education department and an all-powerful federal government truly understand or even care about the tenets of a free society? Or are they concerned more about manipulating learning for their own outcomes? This is becoming more and more of a problem with our education system. And then number six that education should be provided by well-trained professional teachers. Well, that's a great idea, and it sounds perfect on the surface, but who sets the standard for well-trained? I think you and I both have had many credentialed teachers, and if you're a high school graduate or a high school student, every one of your teachers are credentialed, or were all of them well-trained and good? There's some that are terrible at their job, in all honesty. The federal government knows supposedly is telling us that they know what makes a professional teacher notice here again that assembly line approach even to the educators because in education departments across the country for those that want to go into college and become a teacher in all fields of study students are told to here's how you become a professional teacher you're trained assembly line style you go through your gen a gen education, your general education courses. You take your 100 level courses, your 200 level. Oh, here's your 300. Now you're getting more specifically into education class, 400. Then you get to your 400 levels. uh, And now you're getting into your student teaching and you sprinkle in course X, Y, and Z and do your little certification testing. And voila, the finished product rolls off the assembly line. We now have a shiny new teacher that's completely ready to be a professional teacher and be quality in the classroom. That plug and play method just doesn't work. I mean, it doesn't guarantee anything. Many teachers who go through that process can turn out to be awesome teachers, but the process and the money and the and the commitments that are taken to make that happen is completely a subjective thing. It's completely controlled by the federal government. So we have to understand this. Because there is no guarantee that a well-trained professional teacher is going to come out the other side of that. We know this. We see it every single day. So that's the old model. But enough with the old model. It's now 170 years past Horace Mann. He may have had the best of intentions. Or maybe he was politically motivated to bring more power to the federal government, more power to the education departments, as all politicians tend to want to do that. Whether they want to admit it or not, uh, there isn't usually a problem that the federal government doesn't say it is the solution for that problem. But hey, here we are, it's 2021. We are not in the industrial age anymore where people are trained to do jobs like insert part A into part B, turn counterclockwise clockwise one half of a turn and then repeat this over and over and over again all day long. See, right now, today, technology moves so fast that technical information a student may learn as a freshman could be obsolete by the time they're a junior in college. The age of big data is here now. I saw Japan recently tested one strand, just one single strand of fiber optic cable that could push 14 trillion bytes of data per second. It's just stunning. It's predicted by 2049, a $1,000 computer will be able to exceed the computational power of the entire human species. The amount of technical information is doubling now every two years. Did you realize, not that long ago, the top 10 growing jobs, and we'll just say back in 2010, those top jobs didn't even exist in 2004. What about those students who went to college in 2004? So bottom line is we are currently educating students to take jobs that do not exist using technology that has not been created in order to solve problems that we don't even know are problems yet. Let that sink in for just one second. Yet the indoctrination from middle school forward is you need the education so you can get a job, go to school and learn how to get the technical skills so that you get that really good job. It's utter BS. We are educating students today to take jobs that don't even exist yet using technology that's not even created to solve problems that we don't even know are problems yet. It is BS. The world moves at the speed of light and the education department is moving at the speed of a turtle when it comes to change in society. Here's the biggest lie that universities cling to like it's 1952. Universities will give you the education you need to be a success in the real world and get a job. I know it's a lie, as do millions of other people. Let me give you a rundown over my life of jobs I have held. I've been a hotel manager. I've been a stock and bond trader. I've been a financial advisor. I've been a brokerage retail accounts manager. I've been an auditor. You know what my degrees are? Bachelor of Arts in English Literature, Master of Arts in the Humanities, Doctorate Doctorate Degree in the Humanities, with a major in literature and a minor in philosophy. I'm not alone in this pursuit. So how did I get these jobs? My degrees have literally nothing to do with those jobs. Some of those jobs were very good jobs and they were well-paying jobs. How did I do it? I could think, I could problem solve, I could communicate verbally and I could write, I could work in teams, I could collaborate, I had a work ethic that people could depend on me. So thus, I was number one, employable, and number two, promotable. The college, if I would compare what the college tries to market to students, I had no business ever getting any of those jobs because they didn't train me on any of them. But I still found good-paying jobs, not once, twice, three times, but five times even though I never formally studied to work in any of those fields or hold those jobs. So let's get real here about education, career, and skills. Employers in survey after survey after survey, and you can Google them, uh, skills job employers want most. They don't care about that assembly line knowledge structure that students inefficiently spend their K-12 going through. Sadly, The huge bulk of their time in colleges, they do the same thing. Spinning their wheels, regurgitating rote memorization to pass tests, which rank them on how smart they are, and then they're gated into tracks A, B, C, D. Here is actually what employers want. If we continue to assume maybe our modern education infrastructure uh, should care to gear itself towards employment outcomes. But that's another that's another uh, topic of conversation. But here's what employers want. Critical thinking, problem solving. They want communication skills. They want teamwork. They want digital literacy. They want emotional intelligence. And they want initiative work ethic. Not nearly any time in the modern system formally spends time on these. They are in many ways what we are known as soft skills. They're wickedly difficult to track and monitor in comparison to boring old standardized multiple choice tests. You know those tests. You take them at the state level and then you have to pass the ACT, the SAT, uh, those tests because you are like a cog in a machine to the system. The machine, the system dumps information into you. They tell you where to be, when to be there, what to think, and make, and then they make you prove through your attendance and your test scores that, and once all those data points come in, they say, voila, you have passed to the next level. It is a manufacturing environment style to education that was started 170 years ago. This system, it's expensive, it's inefficient, and it's ineffective for the modern world, period. And yes, our education system's broken. It seems completely unwilling to change. And no matter how flashy pretty they sell the college experience and how frequently HR departments are demanding college degrees to be qualified to do jobs where, quite frankly, it is silly and superfluous. Uh, the education system, and yes, the corporations are at fault here all in their own ways. But complaining about it, it doesn't really interest me. Right now, today, listening their parents, their incoming freshmen There are future higher-level high school students scared to death about undertaking of college and worrying about jobs and financing college. So let me be practical here for just a minute. Pie-in-the-sky theory really means nothing. Graduating high school students and parents, you need to know what to do now, like right now, not sit around waiting for some politician or some edgy, some agency to make massive changes. Because that just isn't going to happen between now and when you got to move forward with life. So students, hear me really carefully. Some jobs require you to get a degree. Bar none, no exceptions. Let me just give you two two that come to mind immediately. Nursing and teaching come to mind where literally you cannot and you will not work in these professions without the degree, as the universities have very cunningly made it a requirement. If your field of what you want to work in requires the degree, I mean literally require with a certification, an exam, or a credential, then you have no choice. You have to continue in the system. However, if your field does not require a degree, and there are many, many fields, especially in the creative or even tech world where certifications get you in the door, even business management, there's ways to get your foot in the door in businesses and corporations without having that degree, then you may want to consider going for it. If you wanna be a digital media marketer, for example, Your time and money might be better spent moving to one of these marketing hubs of Chicago, LA, New York, and getting your feet on the ground and working in the field. And then you can always go back and pick up a degree later if you really want to. But let's say you have to go to college. I say this, get that degree as cheap as you possibly can. The return on investment, meaning what you pay into that for that degree versus the salary that you get when you come out, it plummets the more expensive the college. Use community college. Use in-state public colleges or other alternatives are, are out there. While you're in high school, take as many college level classes as you can to knock that price down. Look, I've talked about the college experience in many, in in other podcasts. And if you just want that college experience, you want to go to Big State U, you want to go to the University of Florida uh, where you can be around all the sports teams, the luxury dormitories, the flashy student centers, the five-star style dining halls, the fraternity and sorority life, all that stuff. And you can afford it then hey, knock yourself out, live it up, and enjoy it. I'm talking merely from a practical standpoint for those who don't have the means and the resources to do it because your college decision, when the stakes are so high on tuition dollars, if you can't afford a college and it involves tens of thousands if not hundreds of thousands of student loan dollars and that salary when you come out the other side isn't high enough uh, you may regret that decision for the rest of your life so take a big step back now academically this is my most important (laughs) and my favorite topic I want to say one more time because I want you to get this The skills employers want the most. The skills the employers want the most. Critical thinking and problem solving. Communication. Teamwork. Digital literacy. Emotional intelligence. Initiative. Work ethic. In some classes, you will get some combinations of this dope This stuff, and I hope in your college experience you get it, and I hope you get it a whole lot. But let's be real. Colleges and universities have lost, sadly, in so many ways, intellectual freedom of thought, encouraging creativity, open-mindedness. You know the type of stuff I feel I learned a lot and allowed me as a guy from the humanities to work in all fields, jobs, and experiences? A lot of that stuff is not as prevalent anymore. So if you're not gonna get it in the classroom, you have two options. You throw your hands up in the air and say, oh well, it's just a boring bad class. Or you have to make sure you get it on your own. Look, as you move through to college, if you go the college route, anyone can earn a degree. It isn't that hard. You keep your head down, you do what the college says, you follow the curriculum, you be compliant, And in your classes and then in four years or so, thousands of dollars later, they're going to give you a piece of paper. I'm not talking about that. Too many people just zombie walk their way through college. I just need the piece of paper to get a job. Well, maybe that piece of paper may get you the job in the field you want, or maybe, just maybe, you are going to have to use your brain, your skills, your communication, your thinking, your initiative. Uh, you may have to be able to work in teams or whatever it is. Uh, and that piece of paper ain't going to work for you in the long run. But you can get a piece of paper. I mean, you just came out of high school. Let's be honest. Was it really hard to get that diploma? I mean, be honest. Almost nobody is truly challenged. Some people push themselves naturally. But to just get that piece of paper, it's an assembly line. It's feeding to the least common denominator. Our education system is a dinosaur. It's, it's that assembly line, uh, not to build you up as an individual, but to create you as a compliant citizen. It fills you up with information that the state decided was important and you regurgitated that on tests. That's how you got out of there. Not what you wanted to learn, but what the state said was important for you to learn. College will do that to you as well if you are not careful. So when you get to college, I want to talk about how you can, since you're there and you have the opportunity, you need to take full advantage of it. Because if you take full advantage of it, it can just totally change your life. So when you get to college, spend time, lots of time, because you will have it. To challenge yourself with the following things. One, read a lot. I mean a whole lot. Read way more than the required reading. Reading is the thing that builds mental muscle more than anything else. The most successful minds in the world are almost exclusively voracious readers. You need to be one of them. Read the extra readings that your professors give you. Read just fiction. Read philosophy. Read self-help success books. Read business books. Whatever it is, you need to read and read and read and read whenever you can because the most successful people are readers. Number two, challenge everything check references, review multiple sources. If you want to get the most out of your college experience, do not be compliant. Do not take at face value what those professors, what the college administrators say. Talk to experts. The great thing about college, there's always all kinds of talks and seminars. If your campus doesn't have them, Then watch virtual talks and podcasts. And most importantly, and this is a hard one, listen to and attend things that you do not agree with. This will build intellectual muscle more than anything. If you want to be very wimpy and soft intellectually, only associate with and only listen to things you agree with. It just simply cannot be understated the significance interacting with people that you don't have the same worldview. Even if you are shy and you're reserved, just show up at these seminars and these talks and listen. Get out there and involve yourself. Oh, and if the college does do that nasty cancel culture thing and tells you, oh, we can't have so-and-so on campus because they are fill in the blanks, whatever you want. That is probably the one person you want to listen to the most. No offense to my fellow academic administrators or faculty, but if they're telling you don't don't listen to them, we can't have them on campus, I you that voice, we don't need to listen to it. I would say that's the one you need to hear more than any of them because there's some reason why that they're doing that and you need to discover it for yourself and not accept what somebody else is telling you why you should or you should not listen to something. So seek out those people, seek out their books, their speeches, or talks even more the second you have professors, the second you have administrators telling you to stay away from it. High school is over. Don't let that system dictate to you how you live your life. It's time for you now as an adult to formulate your own opinions and separate yourself from all the things of whatever the system wants to tell you. You can see on TV every day the ideological extremists, TV, politicians, social media. You know the types, the close-minded, ranting fools. Heck, some of you may have parents that tip to the extremes. Don't be that. And the way you don't become that is by challenging yourself to understand multiple perspectives, as it will pay off for you in the long run. It's too easy to fall into the dogma trap. But have your radar up for the know-it-all all all the time on any type of a topic. Another thing, write, journal, self-reflect. This is an incredibly powerful skill. Writing is your mind coming to life on a piece of paper. It's one of the most powerful mental exercises you can do along with reading. So write a lot. If you do these things within the confines of the classroom and the university... If you need the university and you decide to go to the university, then you're going to walk out of that college hundreds of miles beyond the average zombie walking graduate who spent all their time in the college bar scene or all their time watching the college sports uh, games. See, yes, you may need that piece of paper society says you need that piece of paper called the diploma. But here's the scary news for you. That paper isn't going to get it done when you get out there in the real world. It may give you an opportunity. It may give you a chance. But if you don't reach your potential by expanding your own mind, you're not going to have those skills. You're not going to have those critical thinking skills. You're not going to be able to solve problems. Your communication skills may be lacking. If you don't expose yourself to multiple viewpoints, you may not be able to work well in a team because I can guarantee you when you get on the job, you're going to be exposed to five generations sometimes working in the same office together. Uh, you need to have emotional intelligence. You need to to have initiative in going out there and putting yourself out there. Uh, that's going to be a requirement. That paper, people think it's over with the piece of paper. I tell you, it's just starting with that piece of paper. Now, I say all these things from experience because if I'm going to be honest with you, I never owned my education experience when I was young. I was bored out of my head in high school and I found what I had to study simple, silly, a waste of time. But the problem wasn't ultimately any teacher or any course or the school itself. The problem was me. I could have gotten more And I could have done more with it if I would have had taken the process seriously. But I didn't. I regret it. It took me till later in life to get serious about my education. And when I did, the skies opened up and I found my way. It can be like that for you, but you don't need to wait until you're 50 years old to figure all this stuff out. See, I had to operate in that assembly line college experience, but once I really got into it, it completely shattered my preconceptions, and I took off, and it can be like that for you. So as you enter college, I tell you, these next four or five years, if you take them seriously, if you manage them properly, if you don't take things for granted, you can work you can party. But more importantly, you can expand yourself to be the best self that you can be. And it can launch you. I mean, it can literally launch you forward. But do not rely on the college, the curriculum, the U.S. News and World Report ranking BS. Don't rely on your faculty. I hope you get tons of wonderful faculty and And there's some people who get lots of them and there's others who never get them. I mean, it's just such a varying thing. You can't can't bank on that. You have to own your own education. And whenever, however, self-educate yourself while you're getting the piece of paper that you need to get that job. Yes, in many ways, the paper is silly and superficial, but you and everyone has to play the hand that we're dealt. And maybe someday, somehow, real change will actually happen to the university and will actually become relevant to the 21st century in all that we do in our education. But until then, take full ownership and enjoy every second of it because you'll never recapture that time. So maximize the entire thing, and I wish you all the best in what you're doing and are going to do in the future. Thank you for listening to the podcast today. I hope you found value. The significance of being educated touches... Each and every one of us in our own way, as student or parent or just citizen of this country. And we, we need to do to all do our part to affect change however and whenever possible. So if you enjoyed this podcast, please share, like or subscribe. Then you're going to be alerted whenever new episodes come available. Until we talk again, have a great and wonderful. Have a great day and a wonderful week.